Hey friends, thanks for checking out this video. So question for you, have you read any good books recently? I'm looking for a good book to, to read. I've got about five that I've started that are in my bedroom right now that they're just not getting my attention. So I start them and I stop and I start them and I stop. They're just not hooking me. Um, but if you got maybe a great book, why don't you put it in the comments below in the video so maybe we can check it out together. Uh, I, for me, there are some books that I don't know if the author just knows me, but they know exactly what to put in the first line or the first paragraph to get me interested, hooked. You know, I, I want to know what happens next. Thinking about that, uh, I, I've got a few lines from opening lines of the books to see if you can recognize, see if you can recognize this book from the first line or two. Here's the first one. It was the best of times and it was the worst of times. So starts Charles Dickens, A Tale of Two Cities. Maybe you remember that book. How about this one? It's a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a great fortune or a good fortune must be in want of a wife. Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. Never read it, never watched the video, even though I had several female friends in college insist I watch it. Apparently, they, I need to learn something from it. I don't know. Okay, here we go. Moving on. Call me Ishmael. Call me Ishmael. Remember that one from Moby Dick? A couple more. How about this one? Once there were four children whose names were Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy. This is a story about something that happened to them when they were sent away from London during the war because of the air raids. If you're a fan of C.S. Lewis, you might recognize that as the opening lines to The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. All right, last one. Marley was dead to begin with. There is no doubt whatever about that. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. Scrooge signed it, and Scrooge's name was good upon. Change for anything he chose to put his hand to. Old Marley was as dead as a doornail. And so starts A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. You know, some of us, we recognize these opening lines of these stories because they, they hooked us when we first read them. You know, if you were writing a story, a book, that you want to get on New York Times bestseller list, you're going to write something that's going to grab your reader's attention, right? You don't want the reader to, to read something if like the best part is in the back of the book. You somehow you got to get them to the back of the book. But so you're going to you're not going to end with the best things. You're going to start with something that's going to be a, you know, grab their attention and get people interested to keep reading. And that's why it it baffles me. I just love the way that Matthew starts his book about Jesus. This is how Matthew starts his book. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And as me as a history person, I love history. I'm like, oh, this sounds interesting. This is interesting. Like, someone who's, who's the son of David and the son of Abraham? This must be somebody important, very important. And then he continues. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, 
Perez, the father of Hezron, and then he just keeps going on and on and on about people having children and just some list of names. And you're like, where, where did that, that, that kind of fell off a cliff? This isn't exciting anymore. But Matthew's concern in writing the Gospels, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit to write down this truth about Jesus. And he wasn't concerned about getting on New York Times bestsellers list. He was concerned with telling the world the greatest news that it could ever hear. That there's a Messiah, that, that a Savior has been born to them. And it's not some fairy tale. It's not some make-believe fairy tale that we get to tell each other to give us some hope, but it's based in history. And so he says, here it is. Here are all the people that got to play a part in it. Look at all the, the things, all the, all the people, the players, all the events that God used to bring his son in the world to save it. And like a real-life story, yeah, it's there's a lot of plot turns. There's a lot of like, I didn't see that coming. I don't know if you've seen the movie Top Gun yet. I watched it yesterday with some friends. And well, several parts are just so predictive. This is one part where this one, this one guy named Hangman, that's his call name. He's sitting in the fighter plane because he hasn't been called into duty yet to go into the fight yet. But he's just sitting there with all his gear on, all ready to go. And you're just like, yeah, I wonder what's going to happen to him. Of course he's going to get sent in to save the day. He just, just knew it was going to happen. But in Jesus' story, there's all these events and in his genealogy that you're just like, what? Like, I didn't see that coming. Or how's, how's, how does this fit in there? How does this make any sense? Like Tamar, we heard about Tamar there. Tamar tricked her father-in-law to sleeping with her so she could become a mother. It's like, what? Yeah, but God used that. That's all part of God. God was sovereign, so in control. He says, I can use that. I can use that to, to, to redeem the world. You know, then we then we read later about Rahab is in Jesus' genealogy. She was a prostitute. She wasn't even Jewish. She was a Canaanite woman. Yet God's like, I'm 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 big. I'm sovereign. I can bring good even out of Rahab's story. Right? We read about. We don't even hear the words Bash or the name Bathsheba. We just hear the the wife of Uriah. Like it's almost like I don't know why she's not named by name, but we know who Uriah is. It's the woman who David committed adultery with. Then had Uriah killed, and yeah, it's like a terrible situation, a, a, a sinful situation that David had to pay, and Bathsheba, they had to pay greatly for their sin, and yet God redeemed it. God brought good out of it. And so one thing that I want you to take away from, uh, from Matthew chapter 1, the way that he opens his book about Jesus is, hey, God is always in control. He is sovereign. And, and maybe your story so far, the story of your life hasn't unfolded as you kind of wanted it to. Or when you were writing your life story in college saying, this is where I'm going to go. This is who I'm going to marry. This is what I'm going to be. This is what I'm going to do. Right? Maybe your story hasn't unfolded the way you always hoped it would. Right? Maybe, maybe you've hit some bumps in the roads and some detours. But the, the great thing about following Jesus is that God can use all of it. For his glory and for our good. We know that Romans chapter 8, 28 says that we know that in all things, God's working for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And so today, I just want you to be encouraged. Look back on your life and see, have you seen the way that maybe God's brought good out of even bad situations? Trust him to continue to do that. 
Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says this, that trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not on your own, own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He'll continue to direct your path. Even if you've maybe gone off the path, even if you're lost, okay, go back to God. Say, God, I trust you. I, I want to follow your word. I want to listen to the voice of your son as my good shepherd so that you can lead me and you can even bring good out of all the bad situations in my life. So let's just trust God and, and remind ourselves that he's in control, that he is sovereign and he's working for our good. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that you are in control. You are writing an amazing story with our lives. Um, it's up to us to surrender that to you. It's up to us to follow you, to give you control. Um, but help us, you know, to live um, as people called according to your purpose. Live on mission for you so that we can see all the ups and downs in our lives to bring glory to you and bring good to our lives. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.